Are you ready to live the all-in life? Then welcome to the All-In Podcast Show, sharing the defining moments of impact-driven entrepreneurs, industry pioneers, and transformative leaders as they showcase their defining moments and went all-in on their business and found true success. From the early steps in their journey to the moment they truly took their commitment to their life and business to another level, we'll give you the insight you need to go all-in on your dream life. Now here's your host, Daniel Giordano. Welcome to the All In Podcast Show. Today, I am excited to share a uh, great message with you from a uh, young man out in LA, right? That is not originally from there, which you're going to find out shortly. Jonathan Goldhill, welcome to the show. Wow. I haven't been called a young man in 20 years, maybe. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for the compliment. You're very welcome. California well, living, I guess, right? Yeah, that's it does something to you, right? Yeah, it keeps the, exactly. keeps the skin looking good, right? So yeah, exactly. And you know, I like to work with younger people. So uh, um, but I like to be the modern elder, you know, providing that wisdom. So uh, I, I have to look and feel young and act young right. to be able to have uh, street cred with right. uh, with these millennials that I'm coaching. Right. So yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, Got to be able yeah. to keep up. So, right. Yeah. So, um, so tell me a little bit about your upbringing, right? And, uh, yeah. you know, where you grew up and what that looked like for you. Yeah. So I grew up in Westchester County, New York, which is an affluent suburb of New York city. And, uh, my family, uh, all lived in that er uh, area. My grandfather and, uh, and his brothers, started a business that had a factory in your hometown of Philadelphia. It was actually in North Philly, which is probably not an area you went too often to, mm -hmm. um, pretty rough area. And uh, they built a very large men's suit manufacturing business. So it employed everyone in the family and in the extended family. Um, it was over a couple thousand employees, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and so... You know, my upbringing was that of uh, someone who always understood the value of giving back and and uh, and never took for granted what we had, but lived a really good life. I, I, you know, the suburbs, the affluent suburbs of New York are nice place to live. We lived on the water. I grew up playing tennis and going to camps and skiing. And so I had a really good life. Okay. Yeah, that's. That's the background. And then I moved to California when I was 20. So that was a big shift. And I basically never went back. You know, I landed in, Par in Santa Barbara, which I said, this is paradise. And it was really hard to get me to go back to the East Coast winters after that. Daniel. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you know that totally, one. Yeah, totally, <clears throat> totally know the feeling. Um, so um, with the so were you active in the family business growing up or? No, I was not. Um, my family, so the, I've pieced this history together. No one is really alive today to tell me. And mm -hmm. um, they sold the business in 1966, okay. but they moved into executive offices and continued to run the business under paid contracts, lifetime employment contracts. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I would go visit my grandfather and, and his brothers, they, they were in these fancy offices in Midtown Manhattan in the uh, Avenue of Americas, kind of in the garment district area. Um, and they had a showroom there. So they were definitely doing business. 
but it seemed like they were more involved in philanthropic endeavors and very high level corporate decisions. They continued to run that business until 1986 and it didn't really make it through or past the third generation. Uh, my father was uh, not related uh, by, by blood, but was a third gen member in the family business. And it just didn't make it past there. He died when, when he was very young, like 35. Mm -hmm. So uh, there weren't that many people to pass it on to. And they just, you know, eventually they were like, you know, making clothing in the United States didn't make a whole lot of sense anymore. Right. It was already moving offshore in the sure. 80s. Yeah. Okay. All right. So then you made the uh, giant leap of, you know, venturing out West, right? Uh, I did. I came to California. I was at the University of California, Santa Barbara. I was an avid uh, student of sociology. Uh, that interested me because I was interested in organizing communities and fighting for things like social and economic justice. And uh, yeah, I was really always focused on helping what I felt were disadvantaged, disenfranchised um, uh, groups of people. And so I was involved in community organizing for a few years. And, and then I kind of just made a migration out of that into organizing events in the holistic health and sort of what back then was called new age uh, business type stuff and did that for a few years. And then I started a clothing company with uh, an artist. It was an art and clothing company. I sort of felt like I was picking up where my grandfather had left off because he mm. was, he ended his years being a prolific painter and artist and having some shows in New York City. And um, I thought, well, I'm doing art on clothing. This is going to be badass and we're mm. going to build this great company only to find out that the partner I was in business with had a pretty big problem with drugs and women. And he was not very controllable as an artist. So essentially, it sent me back to going to school, to getting an MBA and studying entrepreneurship and consulting. And the rest has been history. I've been consulting to entrepreneurs for the last 30 years. Okay. Wow. So, so, yeah. Yeah, so, so it's interesting how you, uh, you know, that, that journey, how you, you know, progress to uncover like the thing you're most, you know, passionate about. Yeah, I think it's a journey for all of us, right? And I, I mean, I circle back to family businesses because I just noticed all of my better clients were family businesses. They were loyal. They, I did really well managing in the spaces between them, you know, the unspoken words, maybe conflict, uh, uh, you know, helping them if they had a re relatively healthy family dynamic, helping them to scale the business and working with the junior or millennial or the next, what I call the next gen leader, or what I've now termed the disruptive successor. Um, because look, if you've been in business for at least a generation and, and now, so it used to be that uh, it would take business changes were much slower. And so it would, you know, over one generation, you'd have to iterate changes in your business. But now over, um, over one generation, you have to iterate multiple changes in business. I don't know if I explained that clearly, but I'm just saying that things have the, the speed of and pace of change due to technology and due to process improvements and business model improvements. I mean, it, it's much faster today. So for family businesses to stay relevant, the next gen leader 
can't just ride the coattails of his mom or dad. He's got to really think about how to keep that business relevant. And that's why a lot of family businesses don't make it into the next generation is because they're not disrupting themselves, if you will. Right. Yeah. So, so if you look at, you know, uh, just reminds me, I'm sure it's where you're at as well, but you know, here in Palm beach, obviously there's like a, you know, a lot of, uh, multi-general multi-generational wealth, you know, successful businesses, um, that, you know, you wonder, you know, it's like, I tell my wife all the time, it's like when you're out boating and you see these, some of these homes that are out there on the water and the, the level or some of the yachts that are out there and you look and you you just see like the, obviously the Steven Spielbergs of the world, world that have $300 million yachts, right? Um, <laughs> It's a mm -hmm. much different game, right? Yeah. Um, than than the uh, the types of businesses that we may be talking about. But like, if you think about like, how do you how do you pass that down? So if you if you look at like your your ideal person that you've been working with, you just identified like you know family oriented, right? Obviously, mm -hmm. um, and is there is there a common thread that you see around some of the challenges that they face in you know having you know or having them. Uh, have a family member succeed them, right? Yeah, with yes. setting that up, right? Are they even yeah. thinking about that? I'm just wondering from that perspective. Yeah, so let's let's just back up. So yeah, a lot of multi-generational wealth is passed down through real estate, stocks, you know, equities. So they've diversified, at, they've had some kind of an exit, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe if it's partial recapitalization, right. they've taken chips off the table and they put it into other asset classes that are more easy. Uh, they don't require so much updating. You don't need to disrupt an office building. Although maybe today you need to think about doing that if people aren't coming back from work in the pandemic, but the challenges for most uh, smaller family businesses is I think one is to continue to scale and grow. Um, oftentimes, the the founder or the predecessor generation has basically the business is capped at a certain level, whether it's revenues or employees, because that's their comfort level, and they're they don't have a vision beyond that. They don't have a desire to grow beyond that, and or they're just comfortable with the way things are. And so we know, like, good is the enemy of great. Comfort is the en enemy of innovation, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so. The next gen leader, if they want to be relevant, they want to continue to scale. And, and as more family members come into the business, the business sort of needs to, by necessity, grow or at least grow its gross profit, net profit, bottom lines, because it's supporting more family members. And so they've got to think in terms of what is their plan for scaling. And oftentimes that really starts with a vision and where I always start. Uh, at least early on in my, with my clients is what's your purpose? Like, why are you doing this business? I mean, mm -hmm. you could do any business maybe, or why this business? And if you just say, well, it's because it was my family's business, then are you, do you really have what it takes to lead the business into the next generation? And, and will people follow you? And so getting people to assess themselves. Um, some of my clients just never, finished college. Mm -hmm. And so by virtue of that, they may just have said, you know, I'm done with learning, with getting better. I'm just, this is my lot in life. But others were, no, they didn't finish college because they thought, 
why am I doing this learning in this classroom when there's such bigger challenges out there that I could be taking on and who have an appetite for business? And so right. um, that's a different breed. And that's that that's the kind of guy I or gal I want to work with because they're a disruptor. Right. So. Perfect. Yeah. So so as you've had your uh, career here, you know, in this industry, have there ever been any like major setbacks for you? Uh, you know, my business has been pretty consistent. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that the, the setback, if there was, I don't know that I could call it a setback, Mm -hmm. but I, I built a consulting firm with a few others and we scaled it to 40 people. And, um, I got out of it because, well, one, it was a, um, a nonprofit public benefit corporation. And mm-hmm. I just didn't really want to stay in it. There was opportunities outside that were more interesting, but I always really wanted to be part of a team in scaling a, a coaching business. And as anyone who has a coaching business in California knows, it's not easy to scale up a, a consulting services business where everyone is a highly compensated person. They're uh, uh, the laws just don't support it that well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, there's no non-compete laws in California that support it from people taking your intellectual property or just, you know, and reinventing themselves right. for one. And so that would be the major setback, if you will, uh, which was that I tried to build a team and it was just, it was too hard. It was too hard to keep people. It was too hard to generate enough leads. Um, something I'm sure you understand all too well, uh, especially with coaches. And so uh, I've managed to surround myself with other people who support me in other ways in my business and become my virtual team. And my business has been, knock on wood, consistent for 20 years, just consistently growing in small increments. Right. Which is kind of disappointing because if I'm a scale up coach, people want to know like, well, what have you scaled up? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm kind of like the Peter Drucker. Uh, well, I've never really scaled up. Uh, I haven't scaled up a business in 20 years. I've started a number and, uh, but I'm, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a textbook coach, mm-hmm. which is, I have a lot of experience from my clients experiences and, and a lot of knowledge from learning and, and, and reading. And so I'm, I'm pretty helpful to my clients, I think, in that regard. Right. And I'm, wi- and I'm wise because I'm old. Right. <laughs> yeah, they say with age comes wisdom, right? So I think uh, it's true. Yeah. So what would be the, I know you touched on some of this as you were sharing the different aspects of how you work with clients, but what, what would be uh, the number one thing you would tell someone that's listening to this today? Um, that, you know, if they're, they're in a place where they, you know, are, you know, having some, you know, challenges with scaling or challenges growing their business, what would be the the first thing you would want to share with them? Well, I guess, you know, I just quoted, I just mentioned Peter Drucker. Mm -hmm. So I'll, one of his most famous quotes I'll just steal from, Mm -hmm. which is that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Mm -hmm. And so what is, what's really meant by that? Um, and how does that relate to you as a small business owner or anyone, which is that people first, people matter first. If you don't surround yourself with a great team of players, and I mean like A players, then you are, you are missing out on some incredible opportunities. 
I've had clients who come to me and they're not getting the kind of traction that they would like in their business. And largely I find out it's because they don't have the right people or the best people that money can buy. Mm-hmm. And people are like, well, that's going to cost me a lot of money. Well, it's costing you even more to have mediocre talent. And so I spend most of my first year coaching clients, just making sure they have the right people on their team and getting the wrong people off the team. And then with the right people, it's, you know, I've, we follow my seven P's uh, playbook process, which is basically get them clear on what are what the plan is, help them focus on their priorities, and then measure performance and have, you know, have metrics or KPIs in place, and then have meetings on a regular basis to go over, like every week, right. to go over this scorecard of stuff. So, but it starts with people, you know, right. Get the right people, right? It's better. It's a it's a bigger and better competitive advantage than your than your strategy, than your marketing, than your selling, um, than because like you could have great sales systems, but if you don't have good people that can execute on them, then you know it's like a leaky bucket. You keep pouring water into it, and it just keeps leaking out. Right. Okay. All right. So then uh, from the perspective of what's next for you, as far as the, you know, the, the vision you have for you and what you're working on, what, what, what's life look like? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, so as we're recording this, uh, I'm getting my first vaccine shot today and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I will get my next one in a few weeks and a few weeks after that, even though I think I'm already immunized and have a great health immune system, it will allow me to, to get out and travel and go see clients again. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, something I haven't done. Everything's been zoom, zoom, zoom. Right. And that that's actually been most of my business over the last 15 years is doing stuff via zoom, but uh, I want to travel more. And my podcast is starting to uh, expand. It's an, it's an extension of my brand based on my book, Disruptive Successor. It's called Disruptive Successor Show. And I'm really enjoying having conversations with people that have a message to share uh, about family businesses. I'm meeting prospective clients through it. So, um, you know, I'm sort of ha- having more fun with right. it. And uh, yeah, having it having my business be a little bit more effortless. Great. Love it. Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, how do people find out more about you? Yeah. So uh, one, they can go to first, if they're interested in my book and scaling a family business, go to disruptivesuccessor.com. If they have a, a, you know, a plain old entrepreneurial, or they just have an entrepreneurial company that's not family related, they could go to thegoldhillgroup.com. Either place you can download some free tools, eBooks. Uh, you can email me, John, J-O-N at thegoldhillgroup.com and uh, happy to answer questions, engage in a conversation and explore uh, fit. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to be here today and sharing your message of the world and the impact you're having in it. And uh, uh, if there's anything what we can do to support you, you know, we're going to keep getting your message out and uh, yeah. look forward to continued success. Yeah. Yeah. Go to amazon.com and buy my book, disruptivesuccessor.com. That's, that's my message. All right. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you, John. All right. 
We want to thank you for being all in with us on today's episode of the All In Podcast Show. For more information and resources based on today's discussion, as well as ways to connect to our guests, head to allinpodcast.com. That's available exclusively on allinpodcast.com.